You remember Glenn Greenwald? He was the guy who was working with Julian Assange, and he put out all that uh, WikiLeaks stuff, some of which was really damaging and irresponsible in my mind. Some was important to know, but Glenn Greenwald is no conservative. He is sure as hell not a Republican. In fact, he's not even American, but he was talking about the whole idea that Trump was colluding with Russian and Russia, rather. And do you remember uh, uh, Stephen Colbert calling... Uh, Trump, uh, the sexual partner of Putin in obscene fashion, smugly into the roars of his audience. Well, that makes for some fine comedy. But when grown-ups look at geopolitics and juxtapose what's actually happening policy-wise with the idea that Trump is in the pocket of Putin, well, they sing a very different tune. Here's Glenn Greenwald. And as for him being a Russian asset, it's so irresponsible to say that because the reality is that the conflict between the U.S. and the Russians are at a worse and higher level than they've been in many years, probably decades. How can you say Donald Trump is a stooge of the Kremlin when he's right now trying to remove one of Vladimir Putin's client regime states in Venezuela or when he's trying to bully Angela Merkel out of buying Russian natural gas? probably the thing that's most important to the Russian economy. Or when he sold lethal arms to the Ukrainians, something Obama refused to do on the grounds that it would be provocative to Russia. Or when he bombed Putin's client state in Syria. Over and over, the Trump administration has taken actions far more adverse and aggressive and belligerent to the Russians than the Obama administration did. That's why this whole narrative that Trump all the, at all along was being blackmailed by Putin, that he's an asset of Russian intelligence. This is idiocy. It is completely irrational. It is contrary to all facts. And Bob Mueller's investigation, who spent 22 months examining that core question, what is the relationship between Trump and the Russians, concluded that there is no relationship. It's time to stop these dangerous conspiracy theories that are ratcheting up tensions between the two most dangerous countries on the planet. The reality is the Trump administration has been constantly belligerent to Putin, has constantly acted adverse to the Kremlin's interests, and there's zero basis for thinking or believing or finding evidence to assert that Trump in any way is beholden to Vladimir Putin and to Russia. The whole thing has been a joke and a fairy tale from the start. You know, the only point that I would depart from uh, Glenn Greenwald on is that uh, there have been episodes like the Trump meeting with Putin and his statement that he believed Putin wasn't sure about our own intelligence, guys. That'd be an example. Or, you know, there were meetings between Trump people and Russians, which, of course, the Adam Schiff's of the world, I'm sorry, Adam Bullshiff, um, and and MSNBC and CNN and the Washington Post and New York Times and all, every meeting they portrayed is something just dramatic and important. When if you've ever spent any time in Washington, D.C., those uh, those uh, embassies are full of people and they go out to dinner and they go to events and they, they, they get to leave the embassy. And the idea that, for instance, um, old poor, poor old Elfin Jeff Sessions, the idea that he actually talked to Sergey Kislyak during an awards banquet. Well, that's not the least bit interesting. But I would amend Glenn Greenwald's comments to say, okay, you could ask the question, you know, well, wait a minute. Trump was awfully charitable to Putin. What was going on there? 
asking the question is very different than a two, well, it's been a three-year parade of stating, I have certainty that Trump is in the grip of Russia and in bed with Putin, which is what we've been hearing all over over and over again. And as Greenwald points out, it's an absurdity if you look at the actual geopolitics that was going on. And if you look at the 19 lawyers, 40 FBI agents and analysts and accountants and and 2,800 subpoenas, the 500 witnesses, the 500 search warrants, et cetera, et cetera, the idea that, well, Adam Schiff and his committee and his few staffers, well, they're going to uncover the truth going forward. It is just, well, it's idiotic, and it's designed to keep the 30% Facebook-obsessed, most whipped-up, most partisan Democrats interested for a while longer till something else crazy happens, and then we can use that to motivate you to get to the polls. That's obviously what's going on now. So that's the politics of it. The obstruction of justice stuff, I, I'm a geek for this. I, 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 you know, I, I always say I almost went to law school. It's a running joke on the show. Um, <clears throat> I'm as interested in the law and constitutional issues as anybody who's ever lived. I just couldn't take another three years of college. I just could not stomach it. I wanted to go out and, and, and make a living and see the world. So anyway, that's why I didn't go to law school. But I know I'm super into this stuff, and I hope you are too at least a little bit. Because the question of obstruction of justice, uh, the attorney general addresses, and he explains it in a way I think we can all understand. Generally speaking, he says, to obtain and sustain an obstruction conviction, the government would need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a person acting with corrupt intent engaged in obstructive conduct, and it had a sufficient nexus to a pending or contemplated proceeding, meaning you had to be obstructing something that was happening, a prosecution or, or a, well, a, yeah, a prosecution, essentially. In cataloging the president's actions, many of which took place in public view, so you've already heard about them, the report identifies no actions that, in our judgment, constitute obstructive conduct, had a nexus to a pending or contemplating proceeding, and were done with corrupt intent. Each of which, not one of which, or even two of which, but each of which, under the department's principles of federal prosecution guiding charging decisions, would need to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt to establish an obstruction of justice offense. Offense. So you'd have to check all three of those boxes, and they didn't really even think one of them was thoroughly checked. Now, Mueller said some of it looks like that, some of it doesn't look like that. It's hard to say. Everybody's already talked about it because it's in the public. We can't recommend a prosecution. Attorney General, it's yours. You figure it out. And the Attorney General says, no, there's no way you'd ever get a conviction on any of this stuff. So he said, nope, we're not going to go there. But that's the checklist. A person acted with corrupt intent, engaged in that obstructive conduct, and it had to do with an actual proceeding. And and you can't check all three of those boxes. I just think the president, especially in the early days, was kind of bad at understanding the White House's relationship to the Department of Justice. And he would say to Comey, Comey, this investigation's bullcrap, drop it. Not knowing or not fully appreciating that that can look like obstruction of justice. And it kind of did. I, I'll grant you that. But not according to old uh, Bob Mueller. And you'd think he would know. Matt Zapatoski of the Washington Post talking about his reaction. 
the most significant aspects of this to the Washington Post. And frankly, we'll ask him about the Post coverage of this through the months. Uh, stay with us. Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. It's a shame that our country had to go through this. To be honest, it's a shame that your president has had to go through this for before I even got elected. It began and it began illegally. And hopefully somebody's going to look at the other side. This was an illegal takedown that failed. So much to discuss this morning in the wake of the partial release, the summarizing anyway, of the uh, Mueller report. And Matt Zapatosky joins us. Matt is a national security reporter covering the Justice Department for the Washington Post. Matt, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Hey, listen, uh, before we get into the particulars of... um well, there's you know a fair amount of discussion about uh, journalism and, and networks and cable TV and their coverage of this whole thing, and and I'd like to at least chat with you a little bit about that. Um, what is the uh, the atmosphere around the post? Um, what has struck you most about the last uh, thirty six hours or so? Well, I mean, it sounds, I guess, so overly simple, but it's just been very busy. It's been high energy, high stress. This is the end of an investigation that we've covered very, very aggressively for 22 months now, even longer than that, really, because the Russian investigation predated Mueller. And this is this is the end of it. Now, there's still a lot to learn. You know, there's a lot to learn about what specifically Mueller wrote. We right now only have the attorney general's sort of high level conclusions. There's a lot to learn about how this thing came to the point that it did. Now that it's over, we hope people will be more willing to discuss that. But, um, you know, it's been a high stress, uh, high anticipation reporting the end of it. And and we'll just sort of continue reporting to tell people more about what went on that we weren't able to figure out along the way. Now, we've discussed a fair amount the process by which which the uh, report will become uh, airworthy, we would say. Uh, It has to be edited for national security concerns and privacy concerns and federal grand jury testimony and that sort of thing. Do you have any idea what that timetable might be when the redacted version might appear? I sure wish I did. And the answer to your question is not specifically. It's not like the Justice Department has told reporters or anyone, hey, we expect this to be done in a week. Hey, we expect this to be done in two weeks. Just for my own sort of edification, I was looking back to the Hillary Clinton email investigation this morning. And it was about two months from the time that James Comey announced kind of his own summary of the investigation and recommended it be closed without charges to when the Justice Department actually released documents. The first sort of batch came in September. Comey's um, Comey's press conference, famous press conference, was in July, and that first batch was a big summary. Uh, well, actually, not that big, a small summary of the investigation. I think it was 25 or 30 pages, but also reports of interviews, including Hillary Clinton's interview. And that's kind of substantive, right? To get an underlying document two months out is is pretty critical. I know that Barr is actively working through this with the grand jury material, with the material that might be relevant to other cases. Maybe it would be.
be faster than two months, but I don't think this is a tomorrow kind of thing. I think that at a minimum, this is probably a week's thing, but Barr could prove me wrong. Okay. To, to what extent do you think uh, the presence of Rod Rosenstein in all this is is a is a boon to the credibility of the thing? Um, I've heard it suggested that the uh, eight years uh, of Obama uh, service alum, Rod Rosenstein, being there really weakens the argument. Well, clearly, this is a uh, Bill Barr biased job and you can't count on it at all. Absolutely. I think it's a political boon to the president. And keep in mind, Rod Rosenstein has been the target of many, many Trump attacks. So for <laughs> right. him to stick around and put his name behind this conclusion that the, there wasn't enough evidence to sustain that the president obstructed justice, that's a big deal. I think if he were gone or if he had been forced out and it was just Bill Barr in charge, who has in the past expressed a very dim view of whether the president can obstruct justice. I think a lot of people would be looking at this very critically, and some people, Democrats in particular, still are, but it is harder to do when a guy who the president has just come after is there saying, you know what, this is my decision too. Uh, Matt Zapotowski of the Washington Post is on the line. Matt, I would never ask you to answer for the sins of all media. That would be terribly unfair, and you're a hell of a good reporter. Um, But did you get a chance to see the Matt Taibbi piece talking about how this whole thing has been a death blow for the reputation of the American news media? Yeah, I did see that. I mean, uh, you know, my thought is, look, it's pretty hyperbolic to compare reporting that kind of led us into a war with what happened here. But as with any investigation, there are, as with any reporting on any high-profile subject, I should say, there are lessons to be learned. I think everybody should take, well, one thing everybody can take is like reporters at times, pundits at times need to take a deep breath. So to the extent he was making that point, I absolutely agree. Now, I think, too, though, this was an investigation of the president of the United States that has to be reported on and that has to be reported on. Absolutely true. I don't, I don't think anybody would deny that. But uh, there are a couple of examples where the allegation was reported big, big, big. Then when the exculpatory evidence or the disproval of that accusation uh, occurred, there was like no coverage of it. It was, as he described it, heads I win, tails you lose journalism. And and that troubled me. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, we need to report the end of investigations just like we report the beginning of them. And now, it, in terms of the mo- recent days, I think we certainly have done that. You know, it's been plastered all over our front page for three days straight now, the end of this thing, just as just as the beginning was. But certainly on internal matters, you know, this person is under investigation. Oh, now it's closed. Maybe we can do a better job with that. And also, we can just do maybe a better job of telling people what we don't know when we report things. So maybe we know one detail, but we don't know a lot of others, and we should stress to people, hey, this is all we know. It might mean this. It might not. You know, like I said, everyone, I think, would benefit in all circumstances from just taking a breath um, and not sort of getting caught up in the moment. Uh, one more question about the, the Mueller report and as it's digested and edited and, and put out. Can you, and God, this is speculation, eh, do it if you want, don't if you don't, Um could you picture them there being, for instance, so many contacts with uh, Russians offering dirt and the rest of it that it's not collusion at all, but it just is grubby and, and nasty. And, and so, you know, there's nothing criminal there, but it could still be politically damaging. 
say we already know a lot on that topic. There's been a lot of public reporting about reach outs and contacts between Trump advisors and Russians or Russian affiliates. I'm thinking in particular about, you know, Flynn's calls with the Russian ambassador, Paul Manafort's contacts with people in Ukraine. You know, there's a lot that we have learned. Roger Stone, you know, trying to reach out through intermediaries to WikiLeaks. There's a lot that we've already learned. I'm extremely curious to know if there's more, if there's sort of unreported contacts that are politically damaging, even if they're not criminal. I wonder how much of that we will learn, because how much of that had to be uncovered by a grand jury, and that stuff will remain protected. Okay, let me jump in. Let me jump in, and I apologize, but we have one minute left, and I really want to get to the now, well, what would you say is the reputation of the Steele dossier at this point, and should there be investigation into its role in in warrants and, and FISA warrants and that sort of thing? I think it's a very mixed bag, but I think, you know, just to be quick, I don't know that we learned anything in the last three days that prove or disprove that. We have Barr's top-line conclusions now. We're waiting for the facts, and the facts, what's actually in Mueller's report, will sort of prove or disprove that. There's things in that dossier that I think are clearly wrong. There's things that have sort of borne out. I would love to sort of hold that up against Mueller's report and just do fact-to-fact, right. which we can't do yet because we only have top-line. And we will get that chance. Matt Zapatoski covers national security, the Justice Department for the Washington Post, Matt Great job. Thanks very much. Thank you. Marsha Phillips, your headlines. Now Republicans are calling for more investigations. One major U.S. airline cutting back on flights because of the Boeing Max 8 grounding and more. Coming up. Please do stay tuned. Much to come. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. A quick follow-up to our conversation with Matt Zapatoski of the Washington Post. I was not going to drag him on and, and make him answer for the sins of the American media through the whole uh, collusion uh, farce thing. Um, but I disagree with him on one uh, one point uh, that he said. As Matt Taibbi suggests, well, he agrees with Matt Zapatoski that the impact of the WMD thing was greater because of war and the ongoing Correct. wars and the rest of it. I mean, historically speaking, I would agree, and Matt Taibbi agrees. Um, but in terms of the seriousness of the, uh, the the violation of every tenet of journalism, the complete lack of objectivity, the, the lack of enthusiasm for fact-checking, the... The 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 tendency to let feelings be the father of your journalism, the declaration of being part of the resistance, etc. I mean, during the WMD thing, journalists I think pulled down their pants just a little bit, or were a little lazy, a little go along to get alongy, and 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 it had terrible impact. But they acted so much more badly in this episode. They threw away so much of their credibility. You can explain what happened in the WMD thing. I mean, you had the the leading intelligence agencies on Earth, the Secretary of State, saying, saying, no, we know this to be true. Here it is. Look at this. It turns out a lot of it was very flimsy. I, I can forgive journalists for that. This stuff was naked partisanship, and, man, they flushed their reputation down the toilet, in my opinion. Here's a journalist who didn't, Marshall Phillips, with the headlines. Well, we've got the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee who wants to scrutinize now the FBI and the Justice Department. That would be South Carolina Republican Lindsey Graham. 
He said there are a number of questions about the handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation and the early days of the Russia investigation. To those who were abusive of the process in 2016 on the other side, you haven't had much scrutiny, but that's coming. Talking with reporters at the Capitol today, Graham described it as what's next after the conclusion of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. I'd like to find somebody like a Mr. Mueller that could look in into what happened with the FISA warrant, what happened with the counterintelligence investigation. Am I right to be concerned? Seems pretty bad on its face. Uh, I love the exchange of tweets where uh, James Comey tweeted a, a picture of a forest and said so many questions. And Lindsey Graham tweeted back at him, I agree, see you soon. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Meanwhile, House Judiciary uh, Committee Chair Representative Jerry Nadler is calling for the Attorney General Bill Barr to testify in front of Congress. Nadler got visibly angry at a press conference on Sunday, though, after a heckler called him a loser and repeatedly reminded him of how he was losing. Executive privilege must be asserted by the president personally. And, um, and as the Nixon case in front of the Supreme Court, which was decided nine to nothing, pointed out, pointed out, executive privilege cannot be used to shield or hide New York doing. And this went. This oh, it's great. I was cracking up. I happened to be watching that live. Just loved it. <laughs> this was going on back Here and forth. Loser, Nadler. Yeah. <laughs> good jobs, dirtbag, good jobs was one of yeah. the other thing a guy hollered out. Yeah. Uh, on another on another story, within the last few minutes, President Trump has formally recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. He had a joint uh, appearance with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the White House today. Trump saying the U.S. recognizes Israel's absolute right to defend itself. Israel is an inspiration, a trusted ally, and a cherished friend. The United States will always stand by its side. Trump strongly condemning a deadly rocket attack at a residential community north of Tel Aviv. Right. My fellow Americans, seriously, if there was uh, um, a, uh, a high area, a, you know, a ridge or something... There at uh, what's uh, what's the Canadian is it Windsor Ontario that that is right across the river from Detroit? I mean, if there I were Canadian yeah. Highlands right. that looked over the United States and either Canada or maybe sometimes Russia regularly attacked the United States from that Highlands, and after the umpteenth attack, we said to hell with that, and we just took that land. How many Americans would say that's wrong? We need to give that land back. It might be the 10% I hate my own country fringe. Israel said, all right, we're not going to get right. attacked from the Golan on Heights anymore. We're taking it. It's ours now. Screw you. You shouldn't have attacked us from it. I, I just, I can't argue with that. You know, if you're planning on flying anywhere on American Airlines, pay attention. More flights are being canceled due to the grounding of the Boeing, Boeing 737 MAX. American, uh, which is the world's largest airlines, announced they're canceling 90 flights a day through April 24th. They were only going to do it for a week or so, but apparently there's still uh, the planes are still not cleared to fly yet. Hey, Hanson, why'd your flight get delayed so much? Was that weather, or uh, do you have any idea? No, mechanical problem. Okay, just bad luck. Yeah, okay. Turn- it's always annoying, but then you think, yeah, I'd rather have them fix it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Come to think of it, they're right. Yeah. Turns out more Americans in their 70s and 80s are getting all potted up these days. Marijuana use is now being added to the roster of senior activities. 
recent studies are showing that people 65 and over are the fastest growing segment of cannabis users these days. You know, I got the high blood pressure, and I've been trying to find solid science on THC's effect on blood pressure. And I'm not talking about your alternative to an alternative health site that claims all sorts of bull crap. I'm talking about solid science and studies, which is one of the problems with it being a... You know, uh, on the list of horrendous, uh, dangerous right. narcotics in pot all these years. Because mm-hmm. they haven't been able to do some of those studies. But i, I got to admit, you know, if that would help, you know, some now, although I just I can't afford to be high. I just uh, I just can't. But if I'm 70 years old, I'm still fighting high blood pressure. Right. And some THC would help me out. I'd like to know that. Sweet 16 matchups are set for the NCAA tournament after a wild first weekend. Ninth-seeded uh, UCF missed two layups in the final seconds no! as top-seeded Duke survived. No! 75-76. Here we go. Inbound out to Taylor. Jones is on him. Taylor driving. Driving in. Banks it up. No. Put back. In and out. And Duke survives. Just barely. There you go. Oh, man. Two right next to the hoop shots. Barely missed. Oh, man. University of Central Florida, right? That's yes. UCF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. UCF, yeah. Okay. That's a wrap. That's Dang your news. It. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show. The conscience of the nation. But Squawky is AWOL. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, he, fl- he flew the coop. Well, it's it's mating season, so we granted him a little uh, okay. sabbatical to go get a little... Uh, R&R? Uh, hot eagle love. <laughs> yes. Boy, I was playing golf over the weekend, yeah. finally. And uh, and it's it's turkey loving time right now. So you got the big old Tom Turkles. There's one right there. You got the big old Tom Turks. They're they're dancing around with their their full plumage spread out and beautiful plumage. Their their waters are extra red and the rest of it. And and the uh, the turkey girls are playing hard again. Saying, oh boy, and the and the the big old Tom turkeys will fight each other. She's mine. Um, but then then they got to chase the females around. And so uh, my buddy Brian and I are playing golf. The other day and uh on the 18th <laughs> hole not only yes did we see a turkey fight and 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 a, and a boy turkey chasing after the girl turkey yeah well evidently those two turkeys had snuck off into the woods and gotten married because they were making sweet sweet turkey love <laughs> right in the middle of the fairway <laughs> oh yeah all right there will be little turkeys next season i've witnessed the <laughs> the manufacturing <laughs> effort uh jack's gonna join us jo- uh, via the, the the telephone from the Snowy, snowy mountains where he is with his son. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to wrap things up. But we're going to finish strong on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The fact that that this investigation takes place within the Justice Department, which Donald Trump essentially controls, and that he got rid of the problem, Jeff Sessions, who the one decent thing that he did was just recuse himself. Mm -hmm. Um, This guy is not recused. It feels like the seeds of a cover-up are here. How dare you? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. That's the wacky Joy Reid on MSNBC. Uh, Thanks for joining us. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack is uh, here via the telephone. Uh, from the snow country. Hello, Jack. Hey. So did you hear so, the Mueller uh, report came out? Yeah, I did. 
Um, I was thinking about something I saw Brett Bear say yesterday on Fox. He said, we got to pause for a second so this doesn't just become yet another story of the day and go away. This is a really, really, really big deal that we spent two years reading all these stories in the Washington Post and the New York Times. And they turned out to be what they turned out to be. I mean, it is a big deal. I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out over time. But, I mean, Laura Logan told us she'd read stories in the New York Times and she couldn't find a single fact. Right. I hope, I hope somebody's going to put together a book, I would imagine they are, where they have all those Washington Post and New York stories with unnamed sources or anonymous sources or whatever that were just such a giant deal for a day or sometimes a week that turned out to be complete BS. Complete BS. Right. Matt Taibbi highlighted quite a few, and we're going to talk about that at length tomorrow. But um, one of those that it was a New York Times story, I believe, that old man Mueller himself, who said nothing about nothing, came out and said, look, that's not true. All right. Right. God bless it. Uh, and, and the tendency to print the rumor, to go big with the, the rumor or the single anonymous source story. Then when two and a half weeks later, two and a half months later, it became clear that that was just utterly untrue, provably untrue. Then there was no story at all about that. Um, well, Jill, Jill Abramson, who ran the New York Times, said that now she reads the New York Times and she sees opinion in the news stories. It's just, it's off the rails. I don't yeah. know if it'll ever get back on the rails. It probably won't. But... Man, this is a damaging episode in our U.S. history. It's a big, big deal. Uh, you know, it's, it so reminds me of various episodes in my life. Journalists were openly saying, listen, we need to be part of the resistance. And we understand that that has some risk, but it's important. But I don't think they understood. Well, I'm certain they didn't understand how much risk there was. They pulled their pants down completely. They bet on one horse over the other and and sought any information they could to back up that side of it and ignored or actively suppressed anything that supported the other side. They were so convinced of the conclusion. And, and you know, I agree with Matt Taibbi. He says it's a death blow for the reputation of the American news media. I, I would not. I would say it's clinging to life, but is there absolutely a new era of uber cynicism uh, dawning? Yes, absolutely. And I wish I wish we could all wrap our heads around this. We've been saying this some, since day one. First of all, Russia's our enemy. Can we all get on board that they're our enemy and be happy that they weren't able to uh, steal a U.S. election? They're the enemy. Trump's not the enemy. Russia's the enemy. And also, the media doing this is bad for everybody. If you're on Trump's side and you think, yay, this isn't good news at all. This is bad news for a, for a democracy that relies on you know, a press that people are going to believe. Because now, if it's not Trump, it's going to be some president years from now. Some giant scandal could do something horrific and nobody will believe anything. Well, the fact that the media doesn't have the best interests of the country in mind, right. I can right. almost take... If it's because they're so dogged in their pursuit of the truth that occasionally it's a bit of a challenge for our country when the truth comes out. But if they're dogged in pursuit of just, you know, uh, the whorish desire for ratings and clicks and revenue and that sort of thing, and it's not good for the country and that's their motivation, that's tough to take. And it's not just the media. How about the politicians? Oh, yeah. How about former, you know, CIA directors? going on TV and, and just saying, oh, yeah, he's clearly a Russian agent. 
I mean, that will come out, absolutely. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah. Yeah, Brennan has a lot to answer for, and Clapper does. Yeah, yeah, whether they ever will, I, I frankly, I doubt it, although Lindsey Graham's making big noise about, now let's talk about the uh, the Carter Page uh, uh, warrant, and let's talk about the Steele dossier, and let's l- compare and contrast the Clinton investigation and the grantings of, of uh, immunity and that sort of thing with the Trump thing, and let's figure out what's going on at the Justice Department or the FBI or what was going on, and that should be interesting, to say the least. It's a it's a weird, scary time. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, but you know, luckily, Jack, we're here to hold the hands of America and guide them through. Yeah, it. But it's not just another little ripple. It's not a ripple. This is a. It's unbelievable. And it'll. I, I've thought this the whole time. You'll never be able to explain to your grandkids what the two years was like with the drumbeat. The daily drumbeat from the most important news media in the world about how here's another example of how the president is a Russian agent every day for two years. Right. In spite of all the evidence to the contrary and or the uncertainty about, you know, the uh, the prosecutorial evidence. Well, what it is, is the big giant uh, ships of journalism are acting more and more like cable opinion shows. I mean, I expect Joy Reid to be an idiot. I expect Sean Hannity to be over the top and one-sided. But, man, if your news departments at the biggies are doing that, I don't know. Who do you trust? So did you guys catch how Schiff has pivoted on uh, on Mueller? He was, he's more subtle about it than some of the others are, but I saw him on a couple of the talk shows yesterday where he would open with, First of all, America owes a debt of gratitude to to Mr. Mueller and his dogged blah, blah, blah. But then later, after he got all that flowery talk out of the way, he talked about how it was really a mistake not to get oral answers from the president, allowing his lawyers to put in written answers and, and this and that. So he completely criticized every way that Mueller went about it. Right, right. So he's going he's gonna to continue with that angle that Mueller didn't do a good job. Excellent. Would you like to get us into the final thoughts? Here, uh, yeah, first we need to, are we ready for it? Here's your host, Joe Getty. Thank you. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody. Marshall Phillips, final thought? You know, I'm sitting here thinking at first, oh, gosh, all right, we're finally getting this all resolved. And then, of course, drip, 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 drip. No, it's not resolved. There's going to be investigations on both sides of the aisle. Right, and how voters react to that yeah. uh, will be interesting. Michelangelo, your final thought. Yeah, I have a non-political final thought. Uh, Marshall mentioned Good. it earlier. Uh, more people over 70 are smoking marijuana. It's no longer Cheech and Chong, it's Walter and Leo that you want to get your bud from. So sit down <laughs> with Grandpa, watch some Matlock, and smoke away. <laughs> Beautiful. A positive, Sean, your final thought. Yeah, the, the box office report from this weekend, $70 million for Jordan Peele's Us. It is a horror movie. It is great. Uh, I will not say anything else about it, but it's great. Jack, a final thought? Yeah, I'm, well, my son's taking a private snowboard lesson right now, and I'm sitting here in my truck. I've got a snowboard and boots here trying to decide if I want to try it for the first time in 30 years. 20 years. 20 years. First time in 20 years. Go um, for it. I don't know if I'm just going to sit in the lodge and watch him snowboard all day long or if I'm actually going to attempt to do it myself. I do not want to have any responsibility for what might happen. If you do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I am going to withhold my uh, my uh, my advice. Uh, my final thought is uh, to expand on the turkeys having sex in the middle of the fairway thing. The first year we lived in our new house, I'm sorry, the first night, 
I went off to do the morning show, and uh, and and Judy is awakened by our dog Onyx going berserk, berserk. And this is night number one in a new place. When you're a little edgy and you're thinking, who's still got a key and the rest of it, and our dogs are going crazy. She gets up. What's going on? What's going on? She looks out the window, and there are two turkeys in our backyard making. It was like the the Stormy Daniels of turkeys was out there. I mean, there was sweet turkey loving going on, and the dog was going crazy. He wasn't going to have it. Um, but yeah, so it's that time of year. Yep. Yep. That's ah, nice to see. I'll keep that in mind. Hey, I'm get a room, Getty, turkeys. Another, get a room. Wrapping up, wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have clinks, the clicks rather than links to all the articles we talked about. We have <laughs> uh, link. We, we also have a, a mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If you want to share your opinion, send along a link, an article, something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Eight seconds, Jack. Is is it starve a cold, feed a compound fracture? Exactly. I think that's what it is. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get! Get! And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. The whole thing has been a joke and a fairy tale from the start. Armstrong and Getty.